AIM is a podcast that connects women who are eager to grow in their relationship with God, living out the living word of God each day. Welcome back, everybody. We are officially on our second episode of Holy Week, which is Palm Sunday. And it's Maria here, obviously. But also, we have a very special episode going on because we have a new person joining our our series for Holy Week. This is Sylvia, um, one of my oldest friends, one of my closest friends. And I'm really, really excited and happy and blessed to have her on this episode. Sylvia, you want to say hi? <laughs> yes. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here, especially since I was a huge fan of this podcast. And now I get to speak here with Maria, which is great. Thank you for having me. Thank God. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, that you were willing to help us out. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear all the things you have to share with us. So as we talked about, uh, hopefully this, hopefully you would have listened to the Lazarus Saturday episode, which was um, yesterday. And now we are celebrating Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is this amazing, bittersweet event where there's so much joy happening and there's so much um, welcoming of, of the new king. But at the same time, there's this bittersweetness to it because Christ is literally entering Jerusalem knowing his death is very imminent. Uh, and you even see it in the way the church rites are positioned. It's like such a crazy, like happy palm, you know, everywhere. And like we're singing in a joyful tune and the beautiful hymns. And then immediately we flip into the funeral, right? The general funeral yeah. for everybody. And then we jump into Pascha. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, that being said, I think there's so much depth in that bittersweetness. And if we understand why the bitter, we can actually kind of... <laughs> maximize the sweet that's not making much sense until we start talking (laughs) no that actually makes absolutely sense because especially when I was a kid I used to love playing with the palm branches and making all these different shapes but it always weirded me out when my parents were like right after liturgy taking everything Mm -hmm. away like enough of that we're not doing this anymore and I was like what we've been you know decorating the house doing all those little um shapes and having fun with it just for like you know one liturgy and that's yeah. it I want to continue playing I want to continue making shapes with it but I never I never understood it when I was a kid I never understood why you know that sudden change until you really read in depth um the bible yeah. and the huge significance of that shift um yeah it just it's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so as you mentioned, speaking of the gospel, um, in the in the liturgy of or in the feast of Palm Sunday, we read all four accounts. And mm-hmm. just for our like reference, it's read in Matthew twenty one, Mark eleven, John twelve, and Luke nineteen. Um, so just for time's sake, we're going to read one account, which will be Matthew. Um, but we definitely encourage you if you're interested to read all other three accounts because they all complement each other, and of course, you see all the the extra highlights in each one. So Sylvia, since you are our guest. Please go ahead and read. Of course. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt, laid them, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, "Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest!" And when he had come into Jerusalem. All the city was moved, saying, "Who is this?" So the multitude said, "This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee." Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, "It is written, 'My house shall be called a house of prayer,' but you have made it a den of thieves." Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he had, he did, and the and the children crying out in the temple, and saying Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant, and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Glory be to God. Thank Glory you. So so That's much good. to unpack here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to start with just the history of palm branches, because that mm. again I'm fixated on that thought for some reason. That's so cool. Um. So historically, like the ancient trend tradition um is they're used by on the jewish festival of tabernacles um and they were commanded to do that in leviticus saying take for yourselves the fronds of palm trees and rejoice before jehovah your god seven days so it's an ancient tradition from that time but um we as coptic orthodox we've also had it since <laughs> like forever right um and it really has an important significance because it became like the symbol of triumph, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus, like triumphant entry into Jerusalem as a king, it became this symbol. And it's also seen in Coptic iconography. I don't know if you've noticed them, but you'd see palm branches in the hands of martyrs. And that mm -hmm. simply just symbolizes their own triumph over death. Um, and I just found that very lovely. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. It's it's so interesting to see the um, what the what the people are saying because they're saying something from the Old Testament, which is very much like what they used to celebrate and pray with, right? And what they were mm -hmm. familiar with the scriptures. So the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. This is directly off of Psalm one eighteen, and this is actually the Psalm of the Vespers gospel basically of Palm Sunday so we would sing it on like Saturday night um, and it's exactly that that like they're they're welcoming this triumphant king who is literally shattering all of the pictures that they had in their mind of what the Messiah would look like but yeah. they're starting to realize um, that you know this is he and it's mm -hmm. so cool because the psalm continues into God is the Lord so they're like proving like they, they, they're acknowledging this and he mm -hmm. has given us light and then it ends with bind the sacrifice with cords. Sorry, let me repeat that. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Mm -hmm. 
And it's so interesting because, as you mentioned, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, um, I didn't actually know that they used palm branches, but I was reading something else about how they would always bind the lamb to the for the festival, like the one that they were going to slaughter, to the altar, right? As kind of like a preemptive measure of like, this wow. is the one we're going to kill. Yeah. And so Christ is coming into Jerusalem being like, you no longer need a lamb. I am coming of my own will into Jerusalem so you can bind me to the you know horn of the altar wow. so that I myself become the sacrifice. So I love that you mentioned Feast of the Tabernacle and how it ties so perfectly to this. Wait, this is perfect also because I was reading about the whole imagery, right, of Jesus coming from Bethphage into Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And I learned that um, around that time, that specific time, which is four days before Passover, the Jews um, choose their own lamb, right? The Paschal lamb, the lamb that they're going to use as sacrifice. And that lamb gets into Jerusalem from Bethphage just as oh jesus goodness. did like the imagery it's crazy because yeah he, at that time it's the jews who essentially chose jesus as their sacrificial lamb as he enters and he knows that he knowingly mm -hmm. went in jerusalem from bethphage the exact route <laughs> that is that so amazing lambs go in from which is crazy to me it blew my mind um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's exactly so what cool. do. <laughs> yeah. And it, it comes to show you that like all the tiny things that could potentially be taken out of context from the old Testament and not really well understood, um, Christ, like th this, they're there for a reason and Christ fulfills them. Like it really puts into my mind what fulfilling and completing and and like, yeah. you know, perfecting the law means yeah. um, because the Pauline like links exactly that the in, in the gospel of, of Palm Sunday, sorry, in, in the Pauline of Palm Sunday, the liturgy, he would say, uh, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most high place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, the sprinkling of all of this sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Wow. It's like it's beautiful. That is beautiful. And, and <laughs> I always keep mentioning, especially when it comes to Holy Week, I think the, the beauty of our church's treasures and how all the readings are linked together. But yeah, it's, it's to show you, he is the ultimate sacrifice who will ultimately be bound to the horns of the altar. That is amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah it's honestly it was mind blown like blowing to me um because also i um i heard this sermon by father F um samuel Fanus. i don't know mm. if you know him yeah he's great so. um yeah his his sermon on upper room media just blew me away because he really takes into consideration um everything when he's talking about the imagery of the donkey and the route that he takes. And that's where I got that um, link of Beth mm -hmm. and stuff. But he also says exactly what you just mentioned that um, I am like Jesus is coming in saying, I am that sacrificial lamb whose blood will cover you so you can be liberated in God. You know, mm -hmm. so he is coming in willing and he's saying, I'm actually not your all powerful king. I'm not your worldly king. Hmm. I am your beast of burden. I will take that burden away because donkeys, you know, you know, donkeys are used for the most menial tasks. They mm -hmm. are, they, they take the hits, they do whatever they must do. They just, without complaining, they carry a lot, a lot of burden on their back and they just do it without complaining. 
And that is the imagery that Jesus wanted to portray in his entry to Jerusalem. Because again, he didn't go on a horse as if he's going in to war or something, right? He walked in on a donkey, all peaceful, but with the mentality that he is going to be sacrificed. He's going to be crucified for the liberation of all of that, all of us. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So true. Exactly. Still victorious, even despite being on a donkey. Exactly. Yes. And it doesn't take away from the joy that we feel in that moment, right? Because um, that's, again, what I was always confused about. Why are we so happy? And then right after that, we are in tears, you know? Mm -hmm. We are attending our own funeral, basically. We, you know, we're just so sad after that. But it just gives us a sense of hope going into Holy Week. Yes. You have in the back of your mind, okay, Jesus is going to go through a lot of trials and a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, but resurrection is nearby. You know what I mean? We are going to be saved very soon. Yes, yes, exactly. And that there's a much bigger purpose than just the the Mm -hmm. earthly, you know? Uh, I don't remember which sermon it was, to be honest, but it's also an upper room. And the priest noted the fact that at the beginning of Luke, in Christ's nativity, he says, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. But as you mentioned here, the Messiah is coming to show us something way bigger and way more eternal. And so in Luke's account of Palm Sunday, he says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so there's this contrast. And then one of them comes from the angels, but in this one, it's coming from the infants and the babes who actually have the most pure eyes to see, you know, like the, the Messiah and the man who's coming to save them so then again like the the pauline will say later on in verse 24 for christ has not entered the holy places made with hands which are copies of the true but he entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of god for us so i love that you mentioned this yeah wow this is this is so beautiful yeah it's it's amazing i i also love um, I've been reading a lot of church uh, father commentaries on the colt and the donkey. Yeah. And so it's so interesting when they link the, the donkey and the colt to like the Jews and the Gentiles and yeah. how, oh, that was so interesting because they were like, they were both tied. They were both outside in the street. So outside of like the kingdom, right outside of where, where Christ is. And they needed to be physically untied of their chains in order to be coming to Christ and only only by submitting to Christ, only literally by carrying Christ, could they like enter and have a place wow. inside. Uh, yeah, it was, that is yeah. amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh. I also was really intrigued by that. Um, so it's very important that imagery of the two donkeys, the adult donkey and the colt, because just like you said, it represents two different groups of people, right? And it's very important to know that even though the colt was young and he was not used to be ridden by anyone, he was not restive. So restive is this word apparently is used to um, describe the horses or any kind of beast that you, that you ride that is stubborn. He doesn't want to advance. He's refusing to move because he's not used to being tamed. So the colt was not restive. He just willingly you know as if it's all natural to be ridden and it's his first time right it's a little horse sorry donkey he's a little donkey who's never used to that but he didn't have any resistance to jesus and that's why he had that glory of being ridden by jesus Mm -hmm. right 
which is amazing. <laughs> um, that is so cool. I never I, heard that before. I know. I actually had to. Um, I had to find a. I had to find a definition for rested. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I what does that mean? Um, but yeah, Father uh, Jean Chrysostom mentioned that he was not restive, and that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're so right. That's exactly why they keep saying it represents the Gentiles who, as yeah. you said, they were not set in their ways of just mm-hmm. the law and just the rights, and they were actually willing to accept this this new Messiah that they had never heard of before. Yes, exactly, and. Again, Father Jean Chrysostom continues by saying, um, the unmanageable became orderly and the unclean became clean. So Mm. again, with the whole colt versus donkey situation, you know, the unmanageable is that young donkey, but he became orderly. And that's what Jesus wants to do as he gets into our hearts. He, He wants to enter into our hearts to manage all the chaos that is going on in there. Um, And a very cool thing that I also read um, is during this whole Lent, we have been preparing supposedly for the entry of Jesus into our hearts. So we're Mm. continuously emptying ourselves, right? We're trying to make room for him, enough space so that he can be glorified. And again, like a very important spiritual exercise is that we have to pray to God and tell him that, Yes, Lord, I have emptied my heart and I made this place for you to come in during this time. So we just really need to be with him so that he wouldn't suffer, uh, like, you know, go through the suffering and death all alone. We're there so that we can also be there with him through his resurrection. Beautifully said. And and that's all. And that's exactly why Jesus has need of them that jesus is here after all the souls of all humanity those who are set in their ways and those who are not and i think it was saint john chrysostom as well who points out how um he jesus tells the disciples like go get these donkey and, and cold and if the masters tell you like where are you going just say the lord has need of them mm-hmm. and that's it and he didn't like continue the conversation and say what yeah. if they argue back and actually when they asked in one of the gospels they don't argue back mm-hmm. and so i think he points out the fact that um they don't argue back because they knew that they had no authority to hold these donkey and colt in chains. They were, he says, illegal masters. So they actually cannot look at the true master of our souls, basically for saying that this represented us. And actually like they can't look at him in the face and tell him no. So he frees us from our bonds. But as you said, like we just have to accept and we have to be ready to just, just go with him. Like he's, he's sending his, his disciples to free us and we just go. But yeah, that's it's, so beautiful i love that wow yeah <laughs> yeah thank you for sharing that this is so great um and i also want to just switch gears and now talk about the prophecy because mm. isn't that crazy i like it was said like and what's so um funny is that um in john he actually says his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they and that they had done these things for him. So after they say, um, he says that it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Then John had that realization, I write, at the time, the disciples did not know that. 
And then mm. only after when he was glorified, they understood the prophecy. And you know how um, a lot of things when we were like thinking about it in hindsight, we're like, oh yeah, now I get it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's completely what everyone was thinking, right? After this happened. Because at the moment, nobody really made the connection. But now everyone, everyone knows, you know, when we're reading or like, oh yeah, it links to the prophecy that was, in Zechariah, yeah, sure, of course. Mm-hmm. But at the time, <laughs> nobody made the link. And I think that was Jesus purposefully kind of leaving that mystery, right? He's still kind of keeping their eyes a little blind to the suffering that he's going to endure later on. But they still recognize him as the eternal king. And that is very so- important because yeah. there were three kinds of reactions in that crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Those who recognize him as the eternal king, his disciples and some of the crowd, the opportunistic people at the crowd who just saw that, oh, this is the Messiah, the person who's going to free us from the Romans. And then the third reaction was the Pharisees who just saw him as a nuisance, right? He's just like, oh, my goodness, he's taking all the honor and respect that is due to us. Right. So those are the three kind of reactions to Jesus coming in without making that link to the prophecy I just so interesting (laughs) actually so cool because yeah like if you look at Mark the the chapter like the thing right before it before Mm -hmm. the Palm Sunday it's the Jesus healing the eyes of two people born blind and it's so cool because it's like he's he's showing you like at least Mark's gospel is trying to show you like listen there's a parallel that's going to happen in the next story where Mm -hmm. No one recognizes him. The Pharisees do not. They're all blind. Maybe the children recognize Christ. And those are the only people because, again, like they're just the purest. But he's exactly, he's here to open the eyes of those who want their eyes to be opened. Yep. Yep. And I think it also leads us to ask ourselves, what do we see? Right? Mm. Because are we like the disciples who saw physically with their physical eyes, a poor carpenter on a donkey, but spiritually they saw the eternal king of glory? Or are we like those who are, you know, were opportunistic, who wanted to use Jesus for their own worldly desires, just to get things done, you know, what they wanted yep. in the moment? <laughs> or yeah. do we just see him as a, a burden, someone who's just there in the way of what yeah. we really want, what our pride, our dignity, you know what I mean? And it's just, I think, going in those in this holy week, we really have to keep reflecting on that what do we see around are we blinded um by pride by um you know that false sense of getting respect from those around us having you know the honor and all of that or do we um imitate jesus in his humility you know sitting on a donkey (laughs) so yeah i think we really need to see how we see Mm -hmm. (laughs) because just as we have physical eyes we should also look at our spiritual eyes yeah that's that's a really helpful question for me you're right because we go into holy week there's so many prayers so many hours spent at church what am i doing with these many hours what am i asking of him and of course he cares about the the tiny minuscule you know things but also Mm -hmm. like what am i as you as you said what am i seeing him as 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there was this cool commentary talking about uh, the the cloaks that like they removed from off of their bodies to put on the donkey and the colt before Jesus sits on them. And um, say Ambrose actually is the one who says it's like they're offering their body to Christ because this cloak is like covering their body. So they're literally like stripping themselves off, putting it onto Christ. And he accepts this offering as an offering of love. Uh, so, and then he says, then the Lord sanctifies the body with its emotions, with its feelings, its good deeds. But he says, there's no acceptance to good deeds if they're tied to our own body or our own honor, as you mentioned, or our own desires, right? But if we take them off of ourselves and away from us, the Lord accepts every good deed as a cloak for him to sit on and also to bless. Oh my God. Just so beautifully put, right? <laughs> so it's like all these hours of church, all this worship, um, what is, what is my deepest, deepest intent of them? Yes. Wow. And what am I seeing Christ as? Is he my ultimate, you know, like the person I ultimately will sacrifice everything to, or am I expecting of him yes. to take more? Oh, that's beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. And like, we should definitely avoid obviously thinking of Jesus and Christianity in general as just a vehicle for our desires, right? Because we don't want to just get into this as if, okay, Jesus, as long as you do fulfill your end of the bargain, I'm all cool with mm-hmm. being Christian. But as soon as it becomes an inconvenience to my daily life, to something that I truly want to do with my life that is not, you know, quote unquote Christian, then, you know, crucify him. That's enough. I right. don't want that anymore because yeah. the same crowd that was, you know, chanting Hosanna, they're the same ones who said crucify him only a week after, which has always been insane to me. But sometimes we have to think, do I do that too? Do I do that? Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm Christian. I'm so cool with it. This is great. Yeah. But as soon as Jesus doesn't, you know, give me that one thing I've been like praying to him so passionately about and he doesn't give it to me, you know, that's it. Crucify him. I'm done. Yeah. I he didn't fulfill his end of the bargain. <laughs> and we really yeah. just have to so true. why we do that. It's yeah. because ultimately we see Jesus as a vehicle for our desires. We don't believe in him as the person who's going to liberate us. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and I, I like how you keep saying vehicle because uh, the, it was funny because the, the church father commentary say we are supposed to be the vehicle. So he's like, they were saying, um, like the donkey and the colt became the vehicle for Christ to enter into Jerusalem while everyone was walking in on foot. Like, you know, it was the other way around. So, but you're right. We, we see Christ as that. I, I see it mostly in service where it's like, I could be preaching about something so deep to the kids and whatever. And the moment I encounter it in my own life, it's like, hold on, <laughs> I did not ask for this. But yeah. Um, yes, exactly. Rose will say like, learn how to carry Christ, just like the donkey and the colt. For he has carried you as a shepherd, bringing back the lost sheep. So he's bringing like those two parallels with both animals together. Um, yeah. And I think exactly as you mentioned in the Catholic epistle, St. Peter will say, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, you know, the cult. <laughs> um, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable, sorry, abominable idolatries. And then he says, for this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are dead so that we might become righteous in Christ. Wow. But yeah, exactly. Am I the donkey in the story or am I the Pharisee in the story? For right? the first time ever, I'd rather be the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's very cool to think about all of these different people, because if you truly put yourself in that scene 
where Jesus is coming in Jerusalem and you're one of those crowds, um, you want your eyes to be open. You want to be like the disciples, right? Because in Acts, they say, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So Jesus wants us to turn to him. He doesn't want our, you know, our hearts to go dull. You, he wants to open our eyes, just like he cured those two blind men, like you mentioned. Um, he wants us to have open eyes, not just physically, but spiritually, to see his coming, to see his work being done, to see his grace in every aspect of our lives. And it reminds me of... Um, the story, I don't know, I'm pretty sure you, you're familiar with it, of Sam Bishoy, who had a vision that, like, Jesus, that God is going to appear on the mountain. And so he tells, like, the monks, he tells his disciples, and they all run up the mountain to see God. They want to see, you know, God appearing. That's a big deal. So they all run up, and on the way up the mountain, they see an old man who is just sitting down. He's like, please help me. I want to go up the mountain too. They all ignore him. They all say, sorry, I am going to miss the spectacle. I'm going to miss something huge. God mm -hmm. is about to appear. I have no time for you. And they all run up and um, ignore the old man. But when Senpishoi goes to like go up the mountain, he encounters the old man. And upon asking him, Senpishoi agrees to help that old man and carries him on his shoulders and go up the mountain. And as he goes up the mountain, his disciples are going down. He's like, no, nothing happened. <laughs> Nobody appeared. And St. Bishoy just goes down the mountain. And the weight of the old man on his back keeps increasing. And that's when St. Bishoy realizes that was, that was God. <laughs> and he didn't appear in a flame of glory. He didn't appear mm. on, you know, a thunderous cloud. He appears in the most like you know humble the most you know mysterious way <laughs> and if you're not if you are not trained to have your spiritual eyes open to notice to see jesus and everyone around you you might just miss him you might just miss his entry in your heart and he's been waiting he's asking the old man asked yeah. he wasn't just laying there you know passive hoping for the best that someone offers it he asks, he demands it, and no one gave that to him. And just, yeah, I think going in this Holy Week, I think we all have to truly open our eyes spiritually and, you know, ask, ourse ask ourselves, reflect upon all those things and who we see around us. Do we see just a sick neighbor that we, you know, couldn't care less about? Or do we see Jesus? Do we see someone who's lonely and who's just kind of like a loner. You don't really want to hang out with them because, mm. you know, it's a bit weird. You know, they're awkward. Or do we see Jesus? Because imagine, <laughs> imagine if you see Jesus all alone, right? You would just run to him and like you would want to befriend him, of course. So I think it all ties in perfectly um, as we go in, you know, Holy Week. Is that we really have to open our eyes because that's the main theme I took away, I think. <laughs> From today. Wow. Amen. Never ever <laughs> did I make that link between St. Pishoy and Palm Sunday, but that's exactly, you're so right. 
like people expecting what the Messiah would look like, monks expecting where Jesus would appear versus what the Messiah actually looks like and where Christ appears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, and, that is not me. Right. It was completely from the sermon. <laughs> Thank you, God, I did not take credit for this. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, and it's, as you mentioned, the, the prophecy of Zechariah is like, he, he told us, he warned us, your king is coming to you lowly, riding on a donkey. Yeah. And yet we still, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, amen. May, may God actually give us the, the ability to learn to carry him, to open our eyes, to see him everywhere. Um, and to sanctify our expectations and our desires, right? Because a lot of our wrong misconceptions of what Christ is or where he'll appear depend on how we want to see him. But may he also just sanctify the deepest roots of our misconceptions. Exactly. Wow. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so hope you all um, learned something new today i learned a lot of new things from what you shared sylvia so thank you um (laughs) as always please please do pray for us during this holy week pray for the service of im um whenever you sing a flogimenos and like the loudest most joyful tunes um always always remember us in your prayers and and truly may god as as we say in a flogimenos save us not just from you know our, our daily menial tasks but also save us from the bondage of sin kind of exactly like the colton donkey unchain us unbind us and uh and allow us to carry him into the world. Amen. Sylvia, so, would you like to pray for us? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, God, for allowing us to have that little bit of joy before we um, stand by your side throughout this holy week uh, where we see your passion, your suffering, and ultimately your death, but having hope for the ultimate resurrection and our salvation that you gave us um, as you covered us with your blood, O Lord. Thank you so much for allowing us to um, open our eyes and see life around us and see you in every single person we encounter, not just during Holy Week, but during our entire lives, O Lord. Please help us. Allow us to understand your ultimate desire for us to be liberated from all worldly desires and to see you god not as a mere vehicle for our desires but so that we become your vehicle (laughs) and to allow us to have this ultimate glory with you amen through the intercessions of saint mary and all your saints Please hear us when we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as his passes, as we forgive us, go those who pass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Whether you'd like more information on resources used in this episode, want to suggest a topic, or leave your feedback, please visit our website, emisher.com. And even if you just want to talk, feel free to reach out to one of your Eames sisters. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages. 